Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. Look, it's a little later, right? We had to. We have two West Coasters on the show today, so we had to make a few adjustments, but I almost want to shout out Andy, who is here like 20 minutes early, uh, <laughs> ready to go, waiting. So shout out, Andy. Uh, we're already off and running. Look, things look a little different, as it should, doing a little bit of upgrading, as we tend to do here every so often. I, of course, am your host with the most time on his hands. I am Thomas Tipple. You can find me at Thomas Tipple FF over there on the Bird app. My fun fact of the day that the Baltimore Ravens name was uh, determined by a telephone poll that showed overwhelming support for the use of the name Raven. Wow, that's that's a significantly better fun fact. Than I have because even though I do the show every week, I always forget that I have to come up with one. Uh, my name is Jacob Sanderson. You can find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. My fun fact is that I've been arguing with Drew for like hours and hours of my weeks for like I think close to a year now, and I actually get to meet him in person for the first time this weekend. So that's that's my fun fact, uh, and it actually will be, I think, quite fun. Oh, Thanks that, to the Scott really Fishbowl sweet. for bringing us together. That was really <laughs> sweet. Uh, you can, I'm Billy, as always, you can find me on Twitter at BigBillyFF. My fun fact is I'm redacting all nice things I ever said about Dax Mill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Did he do something today? Isn't he? He's dating Zach Wilson's old girlfriend. Is he? Yeah, yeah. That was was like the part of the whole reveal. They they were like best friends. That's why the whole thing came out. Yeah, oh so he God. posted that. Then his girlfriend, like the whole thing came out about Zach Wilson scoring over 40. And... Yeah. <laughs> he posted the picture with her, and then somebody was like, Oh, you're just a homie hopper or something like that. And then she was like, No, nah, man, Zach's the homie hopper. He's been sleeping with his mom's best friend or something like that. And that's how it all got out. Those and that's why homies. we're here today. This, when, man, when, when certain analysts said that Dax Milne would be making a surprising fantasy impact in the NFL, this is probably the closest he'll ever get. All right. Well, I'm going to cut you off now because it's my turn to introduce myself and I have the <laughs> funnest of facts. I don't know if you are aware of this. There's a sentence that everybody knows. It goes, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. And you may not be aware that this sentence contains every single letter of the alphabet. Wait, What? Yeah. Run it by me again. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Everybody As, knows this. Yeah. Every letter it in the contains alphabet. every letter of the English language. Oh my goodness. That is that might be the most well, okay, hold on. We did get a uh, JJ Zacharyson uh choir story, so I think that yeah, that, that was a good one. Drew, you might come close, but of course the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast has gone bulletproof. And look, Drew, as you may know, there are 672,421 podcast blurbs, articles, Discord channels, Scott Fishbowl posts, everything out there in the world. So we're not really going to go over the news. I think you just went over the most exciting bit of news that there was. Oh, Nikhil Harry, Drew's oh, former wide don't. receiver one. We have, I think we respectfully, have Drew on the show. We're not going to talk about Nikhil Harry's I think respectfully, I think respectfully, Drew has uh, – Defended his stance on Nikhil Harry enough on the Twitter we can't, streets. We can't Drew Fribulate I, Nikhil Harry. I, <laughs> I cannot wait to see him take Cole Komet's job. There's a shirt. There's a shirt for you. 
Uh, Drifibulate. I love that. He's going to just summon for Comet at the the Red Star. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my. Please don't. Oh, no. I actually did. I actually did uh, send out a trade offer for Nikhil Harry for one Feb. Uh, Good feeling, man. In the Foot Clan Dynasty League. Really yeah, it, it was it was for the memes. It was for the memes. <laughs> Look, shout out to everyone who's who's watching us right now. You can catch us over there at the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network and over there to True North Fantasy Football Network. As you can see, the buttons on where to find us are on your screen. If you're listening, that is iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all over, Anchor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Gentlemen, I think we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. Drew, you did not play this game last time. You had a stat corner last time. Well, it is the off season, so stat corners are apparently difficult. So we have a new game because we provide better games than we do fantasy uh, advice uh, on this here show. So we come back. We take a quick break. Uh, get a clip from our show from last week. Come back. We're gonna play the big bank of Billy. So sit tight. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this one, Billy. I I really have a feeling we're gonna. We're gonna really appreciate it. I just, I just on his side. You know, he's Dang. like the quintessential like Tom Brady receiver. Yeah. Uh, he's like basically who the Patriots thought they were getting when they got Muhammad Sanu, who just said like nothing <laughs> left physically. Like Gage, <laughs> I mean, about that. It's it's yeah. like it it's weird. Rough. Brady, Tom Brady, has, Falcons slot receiver. What could go wrong? Exactly. Like Brady hasn't really needed a Russell Gage the past two years in Tampa, but like this year, like they they need like just like cheap, dependable targets and. It's getting harder for me. I think his underdog ADP was like around wide receiver 40. It's getting harder for me to like not see Russell Gage as like a top 36 receiver. I also want to shout out we have three Canadians on the show today. So take that, Billy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Easy must be so fired up seeing that uh that Doherty drop. He's like, oh man, my 212's paying off. <laughs> look uh if if you haven't seen the big bank of billy you're new to the show you're new to listening drew we're gonna run it by real quick billy has some good and some bad that he's gonna lay down on us and we have to decide if we are going all in with the bank or if we are fading the offer billy hit us with it this week yeah i felt i felt awkward with you playing that uh that video clip this week's player is in fact muhammad sanu uh oh, god no, <laughs> But um, yeah, so got an anonymous player. I'm going to list off some goods and some bads, and y'all are going to tell me if you're finally going to buy or sell. So starting off with the pros of this guy, he has multiple 100 target seasons. He's in a wide open depth chart. There's a lot of question marks about his competition. He has a play style that can last him for a long time and has multiple good fantasy seasons with minimal touchdown luck. Jacob thought he had it there for a minute. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was like, it's Cobb, it's Cobb, it's Cobb. Never mind, he scored a million <laughs> touchdowns in 2015. <laughs> I, I was watching you go through the emotions. So, now the cons. Interesting. The bad no part. athletic profile this time. All right. He has legitimate health questions. He has a player on his team that is expected to potentially seed him as that alpha. Age is a concern for him. He has been shown to be very volume dependent. And athleticism is not necessarily what got him here. So with all that in mind, I want to open the floor and ask if y'all are interested in buying or selling what I brought to the table today. I was run out of breath. Billy, no. did you did you buy this player for a 23 third off me? 
Oh, no. <laughs> multiple I love that. I think 100 target seasons. Multiple 100 target seasons with no touchdown luck, and there is somebody that has a legit chance to dethrone him as the alpha. Man, that is who hey, Jacob, you were talking about LaVisca Chenault, right? No, I wasn't, but oh, um, I don't anyway, remember this trade then. Maybe, um, I, I don't know who this is. It's the first time in like three weeks I've been able to figure this one out. I have no idea, but I'm probably buying this person because if he has a history of production, um, and it's a wide open depth chart, and then either I really like him, um, or he's probably worth like nothing on the trade market, in which case I probably am still okay with buying him. <laughs> man this one is really tough i don't know usually billy likes to give us a hint of whether they have like a really good athletic profile or usually gives us some sort of like i don't know rookie number or nothing but this isn't a vacuum you know what no touchdown luck i wanted to say dj Moore, but then you said somebody with a chance to replace him i was like there's no way he's gonna take that kind of shot Robbie anderson baby yeah, <laughs> that's enough. You shut up. I'll fire you today. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fade it. I'm gonna fade it hard. Gonna fade. All right, Drew. What are we thinking? Oh, I'm gonna buy it. It sounds like uh, exactly what I'd be interested in. Touchdowns are pretty random. The dude's established as a target earner, so give him to me. I feel like it's. Can I say who I think it is? Should I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's part. hear it. Is it Jarvis Landry? It is not Jarvis. Oh. I, I was gonna Anyone guess. Else? I was gonna guess Devonte Parker. It is not. But those two players do Jacoby have Kobe Myers with this player. Not no. Uh, Did this player also play have... on the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> no, but he also <laughs> changed teams this offseason. And you're Eddie, certain it's not Jarvis Landry? I am <laughs> certain. A- any final guesses? No, I'm I, I'm tapped. Gracious. All right, so Billy's Bank this week is selling you mine and Jacob's favorite wide receiver, Robert Woods. Oh, Oh. yeah, I'm definitely buying Robert Woods. I'd buy Bobby Trees for sure. All right, I'm sad that I faded now. This is twice twice I've been sad that I faded and twice that I've been sad that I bought in. I I ended up with Christian Kirk, and I'm fading Robbie Woods. Uh, I I bought Bob Woods uh, like four days ago. I, I love me some Robert Woods. Uh, I'm just going to check his ADP right now because I'm very interested. Whoa, to see it's nothing. No one cares. 50, yeah. Like the 55th receiver off the board. As a... It's unfortunately low. And I'm buying Landry too for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. I, I got way too receiver. excited about Jarvis Landry. Jar- Jarvis Landry receiver as of there's, June? There's like this little pocket of, of best ball drafts where it's like Nicole Hardman, Tim Patrick, um, and like our surrounding Jarvis Landry and Jacoby Myers. And I mean, I usually take running backs in that range because it's like right in the prime zero RB zone. But if I take running backs early, like Jarvis and Jacoby are just mortal locks on, on my team. Like just absolute locks. It's such a good move. Eventually they're going to, it's floor. Hey, look, that's the big bank of Billy. Uh, I'm looking like the absolute donkey. I'm the idiot sandwich today, but that's fine. I'll wear it. I'll wear it with pride. Look, when we come back, we, we're going to talk. We did talk about it a little bit last time, Drew, on the Bulletproof process, but maybe some of it's changed. Maybe there's some new listeners. So we're going to ask you a few more questions about the Bulletproof prospect process. Hit those P's fluently today yeah, even though it's a later show that don't phase me look we have another clip from last week's show 
Uh, sit tight. And come on back. My Punisher Tolly is that you need to be a little smarter with your ADPs. Just in general. We understand that young wide receivers carry value for longer. We understand that young players, rookie players, draft picks, right? They hold and increase value more often than not. These dusty running backs can be and are replaceable. I think it was Pat Corain uh, of a good football show over at NBC Sports Edge said the dead zone starts at 101. See, funny enough, we mentioned Pat Corain. As Pat Corain is joining the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast Monday. Well, he's joining Cash Considerations on the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast network uh, Monday with Jacob Sanderson here. So shout out uh, Pat Corain. Uh, we need one more, and we will complete the uh, A Good Football Show. Uh, C.D. Carter, Pat Corain, and Pat Doherty. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're going to try. We're going we're gonna to work on it. That's what we do for the people. Look, very quickly, Drew... Uh, Look, can we just get a guide to the bulletproof prospect uh, process? We, as I mentioned, we did cover it really quick. So Jacob has a few things here. What are the tiers? Like, what do they mean, and how do you navigate them? So the tiers uh, at every position: QB, RB, wide receiver, and tight end. It is bust is the worst tier, and then we have long shot, slightly better. Coin flip after that. Bulletproof is the top of the line in three of the positions. And then wide receiver also has a generational transcendent tier, but they're honestly pretty shaky. Uh, and I just kind of count them all as bulletproof, but they do have some elements that make them appear a little bit better than their uh, other bulletproof counterparts. And Interesting. The tiers themselves represent hit rate buckets. So if a player falls into a bulletproof tier, he would have a... The, the players that also fell into that tier historically have hit at about 75% uh, across positions. Uh, there's not that many of them. We get like five or six a year. And then there are coin flips and they are roughly 50% hit rate. And then we have long shots, which are about 25%. And then bust tier players are around 10 to... 12, 15, maybe on uh, some of the positions. This question isn't on the show sheet, um, but I'm just going to interrupt Tom and interject with it. Can you talk about quickly? So I, there's sort of two types of prospect models that people generally have that you see in the fantasy space. There's either like the Z-score type model where it's like the best prospects possible has one and everybody 0.99, you know, 0.96, 0.92, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's what I call the bucketing models, which is like your model, which is essentially if we apply a certain number of filters, it buckets out to where we want to try and gauge roughly the percentage of players in each bucket that will hit to give us some sort of weighting odds. Can you talk about in that bucketing process, like what exactly is a slight delineation between 50% of players in this bucket of hit and X player has a 50% chance to hit in which ways are those the same and which way those are those slightly different? Well, <laughs> difficult question. Um, <laughs> not on the show sheet, not on the show sheet. Thanks for that. Um, it's like, how do you word it? It is, it, like it's almost not truthful to say that this player has a 50% hit rate because we don't truly know that. We know that the players that look like him have a 50% hit rate and therefore 
it's not unreasonable to suggest it might be somewhere around there. But even within that 50% hit rate, there are multiple different ways to get there. And I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't realize is that there can be two vastly different prospects that still end up in that 50% hit rate bucket because all the players that look like that player ended up in that bucket, which is, uh, you know, kind of confusing, I think, at times. Like sometimes people will be like, well, that guy doesn't look anything like that guy from a analytic perspective. It's like, no, they, they don't actually. They're, they're nothing alike. <laughs> yeah. But they both groups of them end up in this bullet or end up in the uh, coin flip bucket anyway. So I just put them all together because I'm looking for a historical hit rate to compare them to. And uh doesn't really, I don't think, answer your question necessarily. But yeah, like at the end of the day. Well, I think it does. Like it's just, I think that's, that's something that I've seen in a pushback to these bucket-based models. It's like, how can you say this guy's 50% chance to hit? Like, you know, it's, and, and I think it is a little bit different, like you mentioned, which is what I realized about halfway through uh, this show that, like, especially since we're at 11, 11 p.m. Eastern time, that we are, we're pretty much talking to the patrons live right now, plus whoever downloads the show later. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give them a more interesting question to answer. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's... I. I think it's valuable to be able to have like realistic or realistic probabilities to associate with that. Cause so many metrics right now, you get a Z score of 0.7. I mean, to some extent, no one really knows what that means. We know other players that have that value and roughly what it looks like, but being able to look at what these players have and what historically players around them have been able to do I think it's so much more valuable than just giving a straight numerical number and saying, well, that's what it is. Y'all do the rest. Like, it, I, I think that's extremely helpful. Uh, Andy asks a good question here. Where can someone get this information? This feels like way bigger brain stuff than I am used to. Uh, look, and it's true. The, the bulletproof discord is full of, uh, I, I don't even know how to really put it other than just absolute galaxy-brained maniacs where not just the unbelievable list of analysts that you've put together in that Discord, Drew, but even the patrons just seem to be uh, at a yeah. completely different level just in casual football conversation. Uh, I just want to ask, where did the idea come from? Because I don't think I asked that last time. And when did you, and if it has, feel that it's turned maybe a corner to shape kind of the um, community that you you wanted to develop? Where did the idea for which come from? The Bulletproof Discord as a whole. Oh, um, twenty nineteen or eighteen, I think it was. I was writing for uh, Dynasty League Football. And uh, they offered analysts an opportunity to do rankings and I volunteered, but they didn't have any room for me. And I had a few people asking in my DMs, like, where can I find your rankings? I was like, oh, I don't do rankings. And then finally, when I was like, oh, I'm not going to maybe get a shot to do it on DLF. So maybe I'll just try it on Patreon. It'll, you know, I charge like a dollar a month. It was basically free and did my rankings and it just kind of kept growing. Like I kept doing threads on Twitter and more, more people would sign up. Uh, we didn't have a Discord in the early days. It was just on GroupMe, so I had to manually so add everyone. Was, oh my god! Yeah, it was. It was terrible. You, you could never find a conversation after it happened. The conversations were gone <laughs> as yeah. soon as it happened, and uh, yeah. I commented on every single post, literally everyone. And 
it was incredibly time consuming and kind of, uh, and, and that was only with 50 patrons. Like it, it's, it's a much different beast now. And then uh, Patreon launched this thing where it was, you could link your discord with Patreon. So they managed it. And I was like, wow, game over. Like we're going to discord. <laughs> <laughs> and then i got into discord and i was like and you can create all these channels and i was uh Wait, is that how Rage, it's pronounced discord what's that i always thought it was discord i don't know how to say it i'm not a scientist i don't know but i'm gonna say that was just <laughs> the, we, the canadian can we get, can we get a daiko discord. to send you the phonetic pronunciation of discord <laughs> a daiko we need you oh my god no so, it's anyways, it's phenomenal it uh, it just kind of morphed. We we like I was following me, me and Ray GQ were kind of like doing this Discord at the same time, and we we're kind of bouncing ideas off each other. He had already kind of set his up, and I was like, "What about this? Like, would this work?" And I, I ended up just creating a whole bunch of channels. We've like rejigged it like eight times since it first launched. Uh, in fact, I have a when you first join the Discord, or is it? How do you say it? I the love Discord. it. No, I, I I like your way better. I, I like it I way better. Too. I'm pretty sure it's right. Like, oh, like, right. For the Mets, it's like Jacob Degrom, like the score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, when you join the Discord, you get a welcome message, and in that welcome message, there's like a like an article I wrote like last year, or the year before. It's like this is how you use the Discord. It's so out of date now. Like it's all changed. I really got to get some time to go in and fix it. But uh, people seem to find their way in to to find what they need anyway. And then last year, I think it was, uh, yeah, no, it was last year because I was, I was going to move and I was like, oh, like I'm not going to have as much time. So I'm going to need somebody to, to kind of pick up the slack. Plus we were getting like way it's more on slack. It's a discord. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Group me. <laughs> uh. So I was like, you know what? Like we, we got all these patrons that want content and why don't I just bring on some more analysts and, and like improve the product essentially and so that's what i did and then uh it just kind of kept growing and and now it's like it's insane like it's it's absolutely crazy it's, it significantly hampers my ability to get work done yeah it is. as well it, it got so bad that like i i eventually so i shouldn't say so bad it got so good that i had been like the last holdout of like i will answer your trade questions um <laughs> And and as of yesterday, I finally I I had to amend my policy on trade questions. <laughs> well, it, oh the thing God. about trade questions is it, it's really helpful for one person, you know, like right. that one person it helps. But it's like there's so much more that we can do if we just focus on like high level or like player specific rather than one individual trade. And nine times out of ten, what ends up happening anyway is somebody will post a poll. And then it's like a hundred votes on one player or right. one side and zero on the other. So it's really not like you even need our, our input on knowing whether you should take the trade or not. So it's like, well, just throw it in there. Right. And if it's close, like it's, it comes out 50, 50. If you want my opinion, like by all means, tag me on it. I'll give you my opinion to break the tie. But nine times out of 10, you don't need my opinion. Everybody knows how I think anyway. Everybody has access to my rankings. They can see how I feel about the players. They have their own opinions. We have probably the smartest patrons on the planet. So the answers you're getting in the Discord that aren't from me are also really good answers. Yeah, with Discord. I, first of all, I agree with that. Like, There's so many patrons that, that I learn things from like every day that are, are awesome. Um, and then the other thing too with it is yeah, the trade questions, like, I didn't do this because I, like, hate trade questions or because, like, I'm, like, 
I won't answer your trade questions, peasants. It's like not that. It, a lot of it is is literally just oh, like it is. Like you like you mentioned, um, like you mentioned, right? It helps one person, but I also I, I want to make this like a larger point for other people because a lot of folks when, of how we think about trades, like any sort of purposive trade question, I love. Like there's nothing I like talking about more in Dynasty than like purposive ideas about trading. Like why are we trading this person? If we're rebuilding, what kind of trade should we be making? Um, you know, if we're contending, what kinds of trades should we be making? How do we want to structure our trades? Like what are certain heuristics we use for trading? What is the psychology we use when talking to another person about trading? Love all that stuff. Like, but when someone sends me a trade, yeah, it's like, it's usually one of two things. Either it's super lopsided, in which case you probably don't need my advice. You could just like check the market or ADP or whatever, or it's really close, in which case, like I'm basically flipping a coin, in which case, like, I kind of want to know, like, why are you making this close trade? Like, what does it serve your team um, to do this? You know, how does it serve the other team to potentially uh, do this? And I, I find that more interesting than just like, I don't know. It would be the same thing. It's like, do you prefer Deontay Johnson or DJ Moore? It's like, I don't know, 51, 49. Like, yeah, exactly. Yep. No. And it's a place where, and I did not intend this to be a, uh, an advert, advert for uh for the discord but i do want to show appreciation because as a member myself uh i find myself constantly um again i just scroll through there when i have time and the next thing you know i've learned three or four things without uh even reaching out to do so so i i just i wanted to have the opportunity to to mention it as i believe uh it deserved it so look we're gonna take a second when we come back also shout out everyone in the chat i know we have a question sitting there bv we're gonna get to the question and everyone else so shout out to everyone there hanging out with us. It's late, but we're we're, uh, we're doing what we can here. It's been fantastic, phenomenal. We're moving forward. We've got lots more to get to, as every podcast always wants to mention to you. So sit tight. Here's another clip from a show we had, again, with a friend of the show, Pat Dougherty. Alan Lazard, I feel like he's like the classic. There's some guys like Gabriel Davis who, like, when you give them opportunity, any opportunity whatsoever, they like, take it and run with it. Like Alan Lazar has always been like the opposite. I feel like every time Alan Lazar gets an opportunity, it's like four catches for like 48 yards and three and, touchdowns. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah I'm going to yeah. leave out that part. But uh, yeah, and just like, just the profile I've never liked. Like, I, I, if you have to be in a situation where like you're like the default guy who's going to get targets, obviously being Aaron Rodgers led offense is a good place to be. <laughs> So shout out to Lucas who thought that that clip would be very, uh, very, uh, I guess. Uh, oh my God, fitting for, uh, for for our for I, our guest here today. I keep wondering why I look dead in all these photos that I remember. <laughs> I'm like running it on my phone that's like yeah. propped up on a bunch of nothing. <laughs> okay, probably- look, we do have a couple of questions, so I want to get to those before we move on. We are we are going to play Mary Fuck Kill with a couple of players today, uh, and I can't wait to do that. But let's answer this question. Uh, BV had posted a little while ago. Might not be an interesting question, but something I've been chewing on. If we continue to see higher overall valuations of youth rookies slash rookie picks, twelve teams all trying a quote productive struggle in startups. Sorry, I'm trying to do this in order. In startups, does the new draft strategy edge come from drafting nothing but win now players? I'm going to try and I'm going to try and interpret this question, which is, I think what he's asking is, is if everybody is doing productive struggle and more people are doing productive struggle, does it mean you should be drafting more win now players? So I think what he's asking. Right. Because we, we did talk about before, even you yourself where trading up has almost become 
beneficial. I mean, you were one of the first people I ever had run into that was trade down no matter what. You were comfortable making your first pick in the fifth round. Trade down, trade down, trade down. But even yourself, and I know we don't like to talk, well, in my league, I did this, and it was really easy to do, guys. Uh, we, we like to avoid that. But you yourself made some pretty dope trades to move up and get guys like Pitts to pair with Jonathan Taylor, and it actually became profitable. So I it's, think that's more maybe what he's asking. Player. Oh, was it Herbert? All right. Well, you already had pits, but same shit. My brain don't right, work in that good, okay? Just to be clear. Not that much of a homer. Just so everyone knows. But yeah, I, th- I think that is what he's asking. So are we at a point now where almost the uh, productive struggle is not as beneficial as it used to be? So open-ended question. If anyone wants to try to tackle that, Drew, I, am I, I supposed I, to ask that? These questions all go to the guests, <laughs> right? I know you. Right, act, I know you don't. You haven't actually had a dynasty startup since 1976, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm practicing uh, speak when spoken to, and I wasn't sure if that was directed at me, so <laughs> I, I will go ahead and answer now. Um, I think, it, like, it totally depends. Like, there are instances where, yeah, you should probably trade up and get a player, but there are a heck of a lot of instances where that doesn't make sense. Rookie picks and rookie and young players have been traditionally undervalued. Good ones, pardon me. There, there are a ton of young traps in the NFL. Like so many people get hyped up over these players that really don't have a very good probability of success. And they're traps and you should not draft those. But there are other ones like say, uh, you know, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, where they're actually still probably undervalued in my opinion. And Therefore, we should be trading it or we should be taking those players and stacking uh, stacking young players from that perspective. But yeah, in startup picks or startup drafts, pretty much all the ones that I did in 1979, you could draft uh, <laughs> veterans very, very late and you should absolutely be doing that. How I used to structure my uh, startup draft strategies back in 1979 was I would kind of trade out of the first three rounds and then I would like hammer the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds with uh, kind of the prime aged uh, players. So not old players, not young players, sometimes sometimes young players if they're really good. Uh, and then after that, I would actually switch to taking older players because in the round seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, you can get some really good value on veterans. And then I usually don't really have many picks in like the you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 round because I've moved back up to try to get into the pre- round 10 range because that's where i think all the good players are so and then i'm just trying to stack as many future picks first seconds thirds whatever i can get with every single trade i think knowing your league is the most important thing in in fantasy and if the rest of your league is doing one thing and you see an opening to maybe potentially gain an edge in your opinion uh opposed to them by doing the opposite then I believe that, sure, go ahead. Um, it's It really depends on knowing your league. We say that all the time on the walkabout. Knowing your league and conversing with people in your league at all times is the most important part to being successful in Dynasty, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. we got a couple of players. Jacob, walk us through uh, how we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to run through the uh, keep trade cut, Mary fuck kill, 
portion of this that we have a people VRTDB as well. I'm not sure. I can't remember if you did that one with us last time, Drew, but it is a, is it? Yeah, he did, and I won. Yeah, he, uh, and I you won. and you won. Uh, okay. It was, okay. It was whether Jalen Hurts was. I forgot the threshold we put on him. Basically, whether we should invest in Jalen Hurts, who is worth. I would also like to point out that throughout Jacob's win, he was also saying, "I don't necessarily agree with this, but I have to take this side." Oh yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. that. he does. Yeah, that. that's variant. Well, happened was variant. True variant. What I believe had been the case was that, like, I think before we had you on, like, we had been going back and forth a lot about Jalen Hurts. And then in, like, the couple weeks before we had you on, he, like, drastically rose in price. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like, well, I still have this debate, but, like, now he's costly. <laughs> he wasn't, like, two weeks ago when I was hammering him. Um, but so you're, you're hedging uh, your bets. And honestly, I, I shouldn't have hedged. I should have just fully, I just should have fully, uh, Dope. And now you're now, now, now you're now you're shipping off Jalen Hurts as is the flippy well, floppy flippy floppy nature that uh, lies within yourself. Yeah, because at the, because <laughs> I, I don't flopper. I don't care about players. I care about their costs. Um, and, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I mean, the thing is, like Jalen Hurts, I liked a lot early last year because I thought he was in a really unique valuation range preseason, which is where everybody around him like was either safer or older but nobody really had the same kind of upside that he did. And then things happened. Like Russell Wilson got another year older and, um, and had issues. So he fell in value for a little while. Got to come back up. Trey Lance didn't actually play. So his value didn't really go anywhere. Um, you had Justin Fields fall down in value a bit. Deshaun Watson, yeah. um, of course had issues. Um, and so anyway, now we have the spot where I think there's like similar upside bets to Hertz with, with more long-term safety built in or, or more upside, but um Still rooting for him, but the, the way I'm hearing is, is a is a lot of uh, room for you to just blame variance, and I just want that noted. You flip flop. I, mean, I, 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 I think what I, so I think that like what you call flip flopping is being correct on Hertz and then oh, like, trading yeah. it for profit. I think it's what you call sure, yeah. sure. sure, sure. Uh, anyway, what we're gonna play today is is we're gonna play. Um, yeah, we're we're past the general viewing public hours at this point. We're not on PBS, so we're guys, gonna play fuck Mary Kill. We're on cable. Guys, we're I say fuck swim. a lot on these programs. If you're concerned about language, I will put a disclaimer at the beginning. If I have Wait, to, I'll sorry. use my Tom. Is that, button, a, is that a disclaimer but, or is that a disclaimer? Uh, uh it's a it's discord. Uh, go ahead. Anyway, so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna we're gonna do rookies. We're gonna do year two wide receivers. We're gonna do year three wide receivers. And we're going to set out a group of them that are like somewhat ish bucketed in a, in a general tier um, on, on keep trade cut and or ADP. And then we're going to fuck Mary kill on who we want at cost. So Mary is in the guy that we want to have on our dynasty team is a core asset for a very long time. Kill. Obviously we don't want them anywhere near our dynasty team. Um, And fuck would be the guy that we're willing to take shots on at the right price, but we might be looking for an outdoor um so, somewhat soon if they end up rising in price and we're correct on that bet so i'm going to list them in keep trade cut order if you prefer to use their adp for value or trade calcs or whatever amalgamation you want feel free to go for that um basically trade everyone for ktc from wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 40 is currently separated by an early 20 23 second so none of these guys are actually that far apart uh in value right now with how flat wide receiver is so the first group of rookies we got Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks. I understand there are four people there. Yeah. You only have to talk about three of them. You can just I'm leave not one good of at them, math here, Jacob, to the so. side if you don't feel that passionate about them. So have... it's it's uh it is once again it is Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. Um, 
and we'll start with you, Drew, who, who wants to be uh, s- started when spoken to. First of all, who are you going to marry? Uh, you know you're a family man. In that group, I'm going to take Garrett Wilson to the prom. Oh, we love that. Ooh. We don't Ooh. have proms in Canada, at least not in Saskatchewan. I don't know if you guys... You I got prom? expelled uh, and, and had to go back <laughs> to finish my last two credits, so there was no graduation ceremony for this guy. I got um, my... I, I absolutely had a prom. I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I, I 100% had one, but I'm, I'm United States. Tell me if Tommy right. T got expelled and it shows in my math uh, capabilities. <laughs> so now am I supposed to pick my second player right now? Or does no, everybody why, do why are you taking Garrett Wilson to the front? Oh, I have to explain it? Yeah, not like for an hour, <laughs> but you know, we like reasons here. Well, this was just simple. Like, who do you want? Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we've got the opinion we need. Uh, Garrett Wilson, none. Okay, so Garrett Wilson is a... Uh, he actually grades out as like a long shot for me, but I treated him such that he was a coin flip because I really like his profile. And uh, he kind of just lost out on some technicalities, you could say. Um, I don't game adjust when I am doing my process. So the fact he skipped the uh, the bowl game and then Jackson Smith, how do you even say his last name? Jigba. Jigba. Yeah. Brother he went like 300 yards and threw off everything. And then that just ruined the Garrett Wilson profile. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't count. I'm overruling <laughs> it. So anyway, he ended up a coin flip. He's a top 10 pick, 10th overall. He is probably pretty good. He played at Ohio State. He outproduced a couple other guys that are going to be first round picks for the most part. So I'm just like thinking he's probably a pretty good player. He is my my uh mary yeah the way we'll do this is so we'll get everybody's mary but if your mary is garrett wilson then you don't have to give a reason so we'll say the first person to put someone in a category gets to give a reason just for, for time. Right, so, tom okay, who you cool. got? uh man out of this group it's tough but I, i'm actually taking jameson williams uh, I actually think between yeah his I I, lo- I actually like his situation believe it or not i don't know does this thing this crazy thing right he watches football, right? So he has he has some of his own opinions on these matters. I do have some of my own opinions, and it's not necessarily because I watch football. Okay, I hash. Although we do, I'm gonna pull the clip, Lucas. If you're listening, I need you to go back to the last time uh, Drew was on the show and made full tilt bulletproof and pull the soundbite of him admitting that he does watch football. We need Jonathan that clip. I'm gonna ruin his entire uh, Twitter persona <laughs> by just posting that clip all over the place, but. I, I like JMO because I believe he is he has the potential to be one of the most explosive players in fantasy. And I don't think Jared Goff's gonna be his quarterback forever, obviously. And believe it or not, the head coach over there, Mr. Campbell, actually developed a deep game in Detroit. And I believe that Williams has a potential to be not just the deep threat guy, but really a really good catch and run opportunist in fantasy. And when it comes to just the absolute monster boom games, I believe out of this group, he has the best opportunity to provide legitimate week winning weeks uh, more often than his counterparts. His counterparts may be safer, quote unquote, if there's such a thing, but absolute shot out of a cannon games. I like Jameson Williams out of the group. 
Billy. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Drew here. I'm gonna marry Garrett Wilson. Coward. I, I I like the player. I really liked him coming out, and I really like what the Jets are doing. I think that team's only going to get better. Zach Wilson's got that dog in him. Uh, and oh, all, all that comes back to say, I, I think everything is looking up for Garrett Wilson. And I, I think there's a lot of good for him going forward. So if I was going to pick a player to build my team around, which is how I'm interpreting Mary right now, I think that's going to be Garrett Wilson for the long term. Yeah, everybody knows uh, I'm marrying Garrett Wilson. I think I, I amended my Discord handle to Jacob the Wilsonian. Um, yes. In honor That's what that's of for. Wilson. All right. Uh, I thought it was Zach Wilson. That's what I thought it was. Not Zach Wilson. I, I didn't notice it until Garrett. the Zach Wilson stuff came out, and I was like, oh, like, okay, I get it. No, hey, man, respect. I did it the day that we argued about Garrett Wilson versus Elijah Moore. Oh, when you were wrong that time. Gotcha. Well, oh. <laughs> uh, I love it. Gary Wilson, it. Uh, I'm marrying Guys him, and I'm, and I'm marrying him harder than the other people. <laughs> I guess that's, that's all I have to say. Um, Your diamond ring was bigger? Yeah, I'm marrying him, but I'm marrying him like one of those evangelical Christians that thinks divorce is like a, a sin that you can't come back from. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, uh, until next the price up. gets too high, in which case I'll, I'll sell. Then you'll um, flip-flop. Yeah. Anyway. Rookies part two. Uh, I will say. Oh, sorry. We're still on that. Who, so now, now we're gonna do. We're doing quickly. Who are who are we having sex with? And and we're not doing the uh, the Zach Wilson, right? No forty year olds here. All these people are young. So Zach Wilson wouldn't approve. But um, but Jamo Olave or Burks. Who are we having our 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 flirtations with? Am I supposed or, to go this time? Yeah, yeah, you you, you are leading us up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Traylon Burks. Uh, even though he's not at a tier of his own, he's still You're pretty good. going to fucking guy with asthma? How long do you think he's going to be able to hang in there? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> what the you want it like that? What the? I didn't take the question <laughs> quite so literally. Right now. Uh, anyway, he's he's oh a, he's basically the same prospect as, uh, as uh, Garrett Wilson to me. Yeah. They're both really similar from a – prospect profile perspective uh Traylon Burks obviously had a little easier time accumulating his impressive statistics than Garrett Wilson did as he played with virtually no one but uh he like I think middle of last year early last season it was pointed out that he looks exactly like AJ Brown from an analytic perspective and he absolutely does and I liked AJ Brown and I'm going to like Traylon Burks as well uh, he also has like the alpha or the prototype type body, which mm. in my opinion gives him a little bit higher ceiling, a little bit more likely to play an X receiver position. And then he also has the AJ Brown-esque uh, yards after catch ability, which is very exciting. And Cra- don't we all just want to be excited? Crazy part about Burks is that he once was in a tier of his own, of course, in this wide receiver class. That's a fun time. <laughs> Um, he has now fallen to the point where he is now the lowest on KTC out of all four of these guys. So um, people he react and then they, they overreact. <laughs> um, uh, Billy or Tom, any of you uh, getting down in the sack with anybody that's not Traylon Burks? Yeah, well, I'm a. Oh, no, you go ahead. Tom. I'll, I'll go because I was second last time and I need order on this goddamn program. Uh, I'm actually I, I'm gonna I'm gonna flirt with Garrett Wilson because just for the simple fact that uh, that's the only difference I have when it comes to uh, how these are laid out. So I'm going to flirt with Wilson for the same reason that Drew is going to marry him. I just I don't have I don't know higher standards in this regard. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a I I'm gonna I'm gonna have a nice long night with Jamison Williams. That I the the way I view him right now, he's the guy that I was the highest You're gonna on help him, him condition up his ACL repair. Yeah. Uh, I was the highest on him pre-draft, Deep squats. and because of that, I think it's completely fine to say he's the one that could pull me away from my Garrett Wilson love. So if that's going to be what breaks me away and Jamison Williams comes back from the ACL halfway through the season and looks like his him old self, I, I'm going to be completely fine ranking him over Garrett Wilson next year. I'm uh, I'm unfortunately and boringly uh, with Drew again here on Burks, uh, which is good though for time. Um, Billy, who are you killing? I'll I'll go back in reverse order. Yeah, the, this one this one's hard because both of these players I don't really want to kill. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick Olave, just because. I mean, I think he has a great ceiling. And I mean, I, I was one of the proponents defending the age narrative with him that I just don't think it matters as much when it comes to him. But I mean, he's in a ridiculously packed offense and not, not really like the best quarterback play. So I, I want a lot from Chris Olave and I want the best for him. But if I'm going to pick one out of these four, it's got to be him. It's true, Boots. I, I am I'm working hard. I got my bleed button ready at, uh, ready on Fuego today. We're fired up. It's a late night show. I don't want to get, you know, in trouble. Uh, look, for me, and because I'm not a murderer, I won't kill or put a hit out for any of these uh, human beings. But look, I will say that I'm leaving one on red, and I am absolutely ignoring the other's existence. So for... For my quote-unquote kill, uh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Olave just into the wind. Like I don't want any part of my dynasty rosters. I'll pretty much always choose somebody else when it comes down to it. I'm out, and then I'll leave uh, Traylon Burks on red because uh, when it comes to the other guys in this scenario, I just I like some people better. I'm, I'm unfortunately killing Olave too, which is boring. Um, Drew Jameson or Olave for you? I'm killing Jamison Williams. Ouch. Rip. Yeah, Ouch. sorry. Should I talk you, about him now? You you yeah, hashtag you, you hashtag don't watch Jameson. football, I guess. So like uh Jamison Williams for me is like he was worse than Chris Olave, obviously at Ohio State. That's very true. And they got virtually the same draft capital. I'd prefer Jamise Winston to Jared Goff. I think that, uh, yeah, like Jamison Williams is going to miss who knows how long with his ACL injury. I'm not even sure he's any good. I think he might be a field stretcher only if he actually is good. And then Chris Olave is like, I don't think he's all that good either. But uh, like, I don't think either guy are bad. I think they're both fine. I, I just rather take the probably better player in my opinion, of Chris Olave from a floor perspective uh, because I don't really see a, a path to a ceiling for Jamison Williams either. So, um, All right, next category here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the fly here with a way to try and quicken this up, which is this next group is Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Christian Watson. What I'll do is, is we're going to do this by consensus so that we don't take forever. So I'm going to start with one person. They're going to pick one player and one of the uh, one of the action words, 
and then the others can assign their action word to whoever is left. Okay. So Thomas, I'm starting with you between sky Pickens, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson. You can pick any one of them to fuck, marry or kill. Okay. Well, I'm going to kill Christian Watson. Cause I think that after his rookie year, he is going to kill his career in fantasy football because I think he's a future CFL all-star. I love him on the bombers. Um, He'd be phenomenal. True. That leaves that leaves you can't kill anyone. The bolts have been taken out of your chamber, but you can either fuck or marry Sky Moore, uh, Jahan Dotson, or George Pickens. I guess that makes the other three bulletproof. I solid. Solid. Not the only one around here with the jokes. <laughs> I am definitely taking Sky Moore in this case. Uh, and you're Sky him. Moore, like as a Mary, I am marrying the hell out of Sky Moore because he's. More like there are no holes in the bulletproof or in the uh, Sky Moore prospect profile, hence the bulletproof designation. <laughs> he landed with Patrick Mahomes. Like it's really not that hard. Like just take good players and good offenses and be happy, and that's all I'm gonna do. We love that. Would you would you say that he is a one for one comp with Devontae Adams? I would people say he's said. a one for one comp. People have said. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, for the record, like, for what? anyone listening that hasn't heard this, this is a bit that I, I started pre-draft. Uh, Drew made the ridiculous decision to draft or to rank George Pickens out of Sky Moore pre-draft. Um, and I, of course, had Sky Moore over George Pickens. And basically our bit is that we agree on probably 85% of the takes. We get really angry about the minute differences in takes. Um, and so I did this thread on group of five wide receivers and basically the only one who comped, uh, with like this little intricate description of like early declare and years played and when they broke out, et cetera, was Devonte Adams as a one for one comparison with Sky Moore. And so that's the only path to his career. Unfortunately, it means he won't score points for three years, but when he does, it's going to be <laughs> great. <laughs> um, just wait, Billy, this just means that they've, they've both killed and married. So you're only left. Uh, you're only left to fuck someone, and you can do it with either George Pickens or Jahan Dotson. Um, who are you? Uh, who are you pulling out the eggplant for? Yeah, y'all left me an easy round. Uh, this is Pickens all the way. I, I loved him as a prospect. I really like the situation in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think it, either Johnson or Claypool are going to be gone, and it's going to be Pickens slotting in there. I, I think he has every opportunity to be a superstar in the league moving forward. And I like Kenny Pickett more than the average bear. So all in all, I, I, I think there's a lot of good going for Pickens. And I think his upside is pretty high. I just think it's like remarkably fitting with how the general wide receiver discourse goes that nobody has an opinion about Jahan Dawson in any particular way. Like he's a, yeah. for a, for a wide receiver who went 16th overall. I, I can't remember anyone else who had like this little, of takes about him. Like I've seen Rieger. players like Ruggs or Tony. No, no, that's totally like people like Ruggs or Tony, whatever, like people have like very strong negative takes about, and then some positive Rager people loved coming out of the draft. Like yeah. behind Austin, everyone's just like, like they're tr- like, it's just like, eh, he also that guy. <laughs> that guy is also a wide receiver. I think it's the Terry McLaurin effect for Dotson, honestly, slash the Wentz effect. I, I think it's the Wentz. Like, I think it's like the commander effect in general. Like nobody wants to draft True. a commander. Um, yep. let's do some of your two wide receivers. So we got five here. Um, and this so first one's not fair, but sure. Uh, and so it's, it's Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown and Kadarius Tony. And you know what? So that we get two rounds out of this, we'll do it the same way that we did it before. 
I'll add Rondell Moore in there too, just for fun. Um, so, uh, so then we get an even six. And so it'll be the same way you do it as you just did it. Um, or I'll keep, no, I'll keep five and then I'll play along. So, so it's Elijah, Bateman, Devonta, Amon Ra, and Kadarius Tony. This time we'll start with you, Billy. Um, so you wait, can pick wait, wait, any wait. of the adjectives. You can Shouldn't fuck we just remove two of those guys? Well, you would think no, that I'll play, Jacob... And then, and then we leave one alone. One's left Jacob... on red. Jacob is our super mega big brained uh, analyst on this program, and he forgot how to count when coming to do the uh, doing the game here. But we'll do it your way, oh, Billy. For sure. You know what? We'll add Rondell and do six. Does that make you happy? We got math. Six divided by three is two, right? No, I want to take two out. You want to take two out? Yeah. The Who first are we taking two. out? We're take, okay, we're taking. Oh, that works. We're taking. We're going to remove Elijah and Bateman because we're doing okay. that gimmick. Oh, beautiful! So we got Devonta, right, St. Brown, Tony. Everybody happy? I, I, I swear to God, our pods go smoothly. I, I feel great here. Uh, real right. quick, I'm going to marry Amon Ross St. Brown. All right, cool. Uh, I'm going to take the next like three minutes off. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> dude! Like an easy group there. Um, really, I'd, I'd probably rather have Devonta than St. Brown, actually. Um. Uh, Drew, what, what are your takes now? You, you're, I think you know what you're going to say, but you can well, either, uh, you can either fuck Smith or you can Tony. kill Tony. <laughs> yeah. It's not Just a contest. <laughs> no, he was a bad prospect. He had like one game of relevance yeah, game. in his rookie well, what year. A game. What and a that's just not enough for me. <laughs> Uh, also, shout out Kadarius Tony for being one of the only players. I think Billy referenced this on one of our pods last year. Being one of the only players I've ever seen leave like eight straight games for eight different reasons. So, yeah, shout yeah. yeah, he was on the injury report six straight weeks for six different injuries. Yeah, it was like he had like ankle injury, hand truly injury, ejected for punching a guy. Um, truly, <laughs> I guess that leaves me with Devonta Smith, which flirting with him is appropriate uh, in this case because I don't really want to like tie get tied down with him on my dynasty rosters and or I want to complete, I don't want to completely ignore him. So I feel like that's like the most fitting to just like, you know, send a you up text every once in a while out to Devonta Smith and checking what's <laughs> happening, but yet also don't reply to the, uh, what you doing right now text as well. It's when I feel like it. Remember that Smith. All right. This is our last one here. Um, and it's going to be Judy. Ayuk. Mooney and of course Gabe Davis. Um, and again, four is fine because whichever one we don't pick, they just get left on red. Okay, it's fine. It actually leaves a decision for the last person, unlike this time when Tom was just stuck with a player. That's why I do four. Um, <laughs> Drew, we're starting with you. You have Ayuk, Mooney, uh, uh, Gabe Davis, and Judy. And again, you don't have to do Mary first, you can pick any of the three that you like. But I want to do Mary because I really want to marry Brandon Ayuk because he's really good at football. That. And everyone else marriage sucks. counseling after last year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, if you're going to cherry pick Gabriel Davis's last eight games, I'm going to cherry pick the hell out of Brandon Ayuk's, and I'm going to throw an impressive rookie season on top, and I'm absolutely going to take him. Yeah, that's, that's more than enough reason right there. Billy? Yeah. Y'all left me with a with a beautiful setup for me, as yeah. always. It's gonna be as fun. always, gonna make sweet sweet love to Darnell Mooney. That guy's my hero. Uh, sorry, it's Darnell. Actually, it's perfect because in the chat we call him Darnell Fucking Mooney. So straight. Every single time I type his name, I'm like Darnell Fucking Mooney is whatever. And, every and now, time. 
now we get to watch Tom toil up there. So yeah, between, it's not like Gabe. like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Jerry Judy. I'm gonna kill Jerry Judy. You know why? Because at least Gabe Davis uh, has like I don't know had a stretch of good games in his career, and Jerry Judy's just kind of been underwhelming always. So uh, clip that, Lucas, you Jerry Judy loving loser. Uh, I I just think he's an overhyped player. Uh, I I wasn't enamored with him as when he came out. I skipped past him in pretty much every rookie draft I had. And I think he's been hilariously underwhelming. And people might tout the situation being better with with Russ Wilson coming to town. I think that it's going to be a logistical nightmare for him to put up big games. I would rather have... Gabe Davis's wide receiver two ass on a great offense. Then Jerry Judy's potential one B one C, however you view Tim Patrick or however that offense is going to run. Uh, I, I'm out. So I will kill Jerry Judy and I will leave Gabe Davis on red until he proves himself. That's, that's a go. fair thing to do to Gabe Davis. Uh, I haven't given a take the last few rounds. And so I'm going to take this off. Nobody wants to, them to announce, to announce that I have actually made a real switch. Uh, this is not like, one of those like fake switches where I'm like, oh, like the market changed by this minute amount. It's like kind of that, but um, it's mostly like I, I'm gonna announce, I'm gonna confess on this show live. I've been teasing it a little bit on Twitter. I'm pretty, I'm pretty in on Jerry Judy. Oh, pretty in on Jerry Judy. finally! No, I'm not alone on this show anymore. Um, basically, no. Jerry Judy last year was primarily running routes out of the slot. It was like not one of those like weird, like you're not a real player, like whatever. It was just like he was the slot wide receiver and he was coming out in two tight end sets. Um, That was basically what was happening when they had Patrick and Sutton uh, both there. He was up on a 24% target rate, which is not like incredible, but it's it's good. It's it's a lot better than what Patrick and Sutton were doing. It's better Um, than Gabe Davis. It is. It is better than Gabe Davis. Um. Now he gets Russell Wilson, which like I I think I agree with Tom to an extent that like I don't think Russell Wilson really matters to like Judy's floor necessarily. Like if Judy isn't very good, I don't care if his quarterback is Russell Wilson. Um, but I'm not very convinced that Sutton is good. I thought last year when the market was reversed and it was like Sutton's way cheaper than Judy, I felt that that was wrong. Last year, all the information we got was negative about Sutton. Like I still think Sutton's fine. I think he has a chance to come back, but he was quite bad last year um, overall. Had a nice stretch, first of all, when there was no Judy. He was basically non-existent, but Judy was there. If we don't like splits and we just go all the way around, he was kind of, eh. Patrick's fine. He's an NFL player. Um, but Judy was the Fireball best target runner of the three. Now he's got a new coaching staff where potentially he will run every route. Maybe he won't, but but potentially he will. And he's gotten like cheaper relative to Sutton, to the point where Sutton's now going in the late third in best ball drafts. Uh, Judy is going in the late fourth. I've even been able to get him in the early fifth. He's going after guys like Allen Robinson, who project as low 20s target share guys on good offenses, after Gabriel Davis, who might be at best a low 20s target share on a good offense. He's probably like a mid-teens target share on a good offense. Um, and Judy projects to me, based on the injury issues that he had in the second year, as a guy who maybe has the type of contextual reasons why we'd excuse that. His yards per route run is actually pretty solid, and he's been a real full-time player. I don't know if I'm like making him a priority buy at his dynasty cost, but I'm absolutely drafting the shit out of him at his best ball cost, and I'm pretty okay with him uh, at his dynasty cost right now. I think he's around wide receiver 30. Uh, so I've, I've gone under the hood. 
I'm okay with Jerry Judy. Um, and I, I just wanted to confess that to the people. Can I just say this? I don't remember uh, a player who, when they came out, I remember Jerry Judy was this can't miss, locked in, best route runner, Jerry Rice incarnate in creating space no all, all this stuff and i have not seen a player get so much leeway this is true. on being fucking brutal stone cold brutal considering this is a player getting drafted i think at 105 104 in in that range when he came out and i think we're just hanging on to it his situation is muggy. He looks like maybe the shiniest turd in the drawer when when really the Ferrari is in the backfield for once on this team uh, in Javante Williams. Melvin and at, hey, you shut up. You, you, you shut your dirty mouth. But uh, I, I think Judy and Lamb have the same problem. I, I think they're propped up by what our hopes and dreams were. And and okay, I think that's was, like, why way, I have way, such... Way, way cheaper. Right? I like understand. Judy, that's the I understand that. Like, and I, for the record, like I think Lamb's better. But if you look purely at like their target rate versus target share, yards right. per route run, etc., they kind of profile somewhat similarly. And and it's like the difference really is target competition. Like Lamb has had a way better quarterback the last two years, sure. which has meant that his production is better than Judy's. But they have the same level of quarterback now. I, I actually would prefer Judy's quarterback in, in Ross to Dak. Um, the target competition is there. But I guess like my point is that, yeah, Judy has no floor. Like I think that the floor is that he's not very good and that he's the third wide receiver on the Broncos and he's useless. But sure. to me, like the, the ceiling is that he's good. And if the ceiling hits, then he doesn't really have to worry. I think about like Tim Patrick and Albert right. and, and these guys. And like, he's priced around guys that are probably good or high volatility or old versus CD lamb is priced behind only two wide receivers. Uh, and, and right, I didn't want to make that a CD Lamb versus Jerry Judy conversation because I think that's silly, especially with their uh, both with what they've done and what their ADPs and everything are. Sure, like I, I'm totally with you on that. I'm just saying for two players that when they were coming out were eye opening, absolute spastastic uh, uh, buzz creators uh, that I feel like a lot of people make or find a billion extra excuses for them. And I'm more likely to say that Jerry Judy is out of Denver uh, than he is staying in Denver, uh, considering the money they've already shelled out uh, at the position. So I, I, I don't know. Jerry Judy's shaky to me. That's, that's why he was uh, well, he's on the cutting for sure. He's shaky yeah. for sure. Just, uh, just, just wanted to clarify. Look, we're at an hour and three already. We've got one more thing to get through. Drew, oh, yeah. you look like you had something to say just now. So before I move on, go for it. I just wanted to reiterate that if Jerry Judy is shaky, Gabriel Davis cannot even be seen because of how much he's shaking. <laughs> well, I want to be like super Davis clear. I, I like shaking. Jerry Judy like a lot more than Gabriel Davis. In fact, <laughs> the biggest impetus to this Jerry Judy awakening is when I saw Gabe Davis pass Jerry Judy, and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> um, and, and then yeah. I was like, uh, and I was like, hmm. feels dirty. I feel like both of these yeah. guys are speculative bets, but like one of them was like a way better prospect and it's actually shown more in the NFL. So my back to back 20% target shares and didn't get sure. moved off the field for Emmanuel Sanders or so one, Emmanuel Sanders. So one of my things drew with, with the Gabe Davis scenario. And and I did mention how many times we we're going to organically bring Gabe Davis into the show today. And we're going to do it right now uh, for, I think the third time now, one of the reasons that uh, I, I make the, the, 
the separation of the two is you didn't draft Gabe Davis at 105 and then have held on to him and then have continued to hold on to him. I think one of the reasons that people are so polarized with someone like Gabe Davis is he scored four touchdowns in a playoff game. Uh, yeah, at, right. I think that's one Wait, of the reasons he did, he did do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. He actually got Sorensen shipped out of town to another team, which I think is hilarious. But uh, it's that you either got him on the waiver wire or he was a third round pick. And then they see someone like that pop off and then they want to hold on to them. I believe that's why there's such an Elijah Mitchell uh, uh, conversation out there as to why he was, he's such a good, cause he was a waiver wire late round pick a flyer that pops off. Jerry Judy's not that. So for no. me, Jerry Judy's failure is, is expedited uh, between the two, which is why I make the distinction. It's not, I, I completely understand that if one shaky, the other one is it just uh, Jerry Judy was held at such a ridiculous, on on such a ridiculous pedestal uh, that I feel like a lot of it is uh, is overlooked. All right, look, when we come back, we are banishing Billy to the jurors' room. Uh, he's going to be chilling on the side. When we come back, we have people VRTDB. I'm going to run by this uh, real quick for anyone that hasn't seen it before. Uh, I will not hold the bullshit results of the last edition of this against Jacob. Uh, I of course will be the paragon of objectivity yeah, as if I have any once chance again. The Raven today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'll go over all the rules. Uh, sit tight. We're gonna be right back. All right, look, this is how it's gonna go. With me, as always. To help me through the proceedings is Judge Judith Scheinlitz. She's right beside me. Shout out the best uh, TV judge that there ever was and ever will be. This is the way it's going to work. Each person is going to get two shots at making their case for their player in question here. Obviously, uh, Drew prosecuting, he will go first. Look, there's always a couple ways you can earn favor. Compliment the judge. Compliment the show. And speak positively about the Ravens. So Jacob's already behind the eight ball on this one. This is Rashad Bateman, the Elijah Moore. Drew, your opening statements for the people, the RT, DB. I think that when we're looking at these two players, the most important aspect is that I'm picking Rashad Bateman, which means he's better. And Jacob is choosing Elijah Moore, which means he's worse. And that is a pretty safe starting point, uh, merely judging the messenger and nothing about the message. Uh, so also, I would like to point out that that hat is looking fantastic on you, but that is neither here nor there. It has nothing to do with Rashad Bateman. What we really have to concern ourselves with here is that Rashad Bateman is really good at football. He's always been really good at football. He's been really good at football since he stepped foot onto a football field. We have never seen Rashad Bateman be other than really good at football which means he's probably continue being really good at football. What we have with Rashad Bateman is a former NFL leader in passing touchdowns, throwing him the football. A lot of people look at Rashad Bateman and Lamar Jackson and say, well, there's not going to be enough volume except for, you know, last season when they passed a lot. And I believe that it is probably not going to be as much as last season, but it'll be somewhere between last season and the year, seasons prior. I wouldn't hold it against them, if, or I wouldn't bet against them being a, you know, low 30s uh, pass attempts per team. That would be around the 20th ranked team. 
or the bottom third is around about 32, 33. That's probably, or maybe 33. So that's probably where I think the Ravens are going to end up this year. That last year, they're about 35 or 36. So a few pass attempts coming down. Anyway, Lamar Jackson is a lot better at passing than a lot of people give him credit for, specifically because he throws a lot of touchdown passes. And in fantasy football, touchdowns skew fantasy production rather largely. Can I talk about Elijah Moore or do I only get to talk about Rashad Bateman? This is just your opening statement. This is your opening statement. We will have like. we will have the next we will have the next step. So you can choose to do so if you want. Well, you're just wasting a lot of time on the clock. You're asking clarificatory questions. Well, I don't know the That's rules. True. I'm not That's on true. the show all the time. This is the second <laughs> time you've done this, sir. Uh, I need you to be prepared in the in the courtroom, the uh the court of fantasy opinion. Okay. I need you to be a little more combo is just Electric. Right. Well done. All right. I get a blush now. Jacob, your opening statement. Well, look. More love than I get I like, from my I like Rashad Bateman a lot, but I like Elijah more. I don't even know why I need to continue anything more after that. Absolutely terrible. I object. <laughs> I object. <laughs> um, look, oh. Rashad Bateman is a guy that, you know, I was hyping up to immense degrees last offseason. And in my opinion, for good reason. He was a phenomenal prospect. He was a super producer, round one pick, taken from a power five school, early declare, everything like that, right? That's all that we want to see. Uh, I even wrote an article that said, don't sleep on Rashad Bateman, in which I went and I profiled him to such guys like Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and a bunch of other guys that we love for a long time in fantasy football. And last year, his rookie season was okay. I called it a Rorschach test rookie season, which is that you can make of it what you want. And I think that the way I described it with Bateman is if we look back in five years, 10 years, whatever, whatever book we write on his career, that first season fits into. It's either how he was a disappointing prospect, how he became a superstar, or how he became a solid NFL player. But I think that the meaty part of that distribution is solid NFL player. That's what we see when we see 16% target share, when we see 1.3 yards per route run, it looks like solid NFL player. I'm willing to say that he's a lot better than most rookies who have that season based on his priors. But you know what? The same priors, basically, except for about 10 picks in draft slot, maybe something like that is Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore was an absolute stud in college, produced pretty much to the same level as Rashad Bateman, did it in the SEC at Ole Miss, and then he came in 25% target rate out of the gate. He was top 30. Uh, almost a 19% target, sh- target share was top 30 in that metric as well, despite randomly being in this weird-ass wide receiver rotation with like Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims for like a month of the season and Braxton Berrios. Um, comes on absolute full, everything we want to see about how rookies typically score points. And then he gets the last part of the season robbed from him. I think that matters to an extent too, because if we've generally seen is that rookies tend to score more points in the later half of the season, that's been proven out to actually a significant degree. They score more points in the later half of the season, which makes a lot of sense. They earn more playing time. They get more used to playing in the NFL. And right when Elijah Moore was peaking is when his playing time got robbed of him. He didn't have that chance to continue to ascend and thrive in that full-time role. And yet, even based on the stats that we had available to us, he gave us a season that was already markedly better than Rashad Bateman. Um, To me, the only argument for Bateman coming up to more at this point is based on situation. And we draft talent over situation with these high-value picks. And so, from my starting position, I want Elijah Moore. Very, very, uh, very strong and convincing opening statement. Quite a few notes uh, being taken here 
for sentencing Drew, you may now make your case for Bateman over Moore. All right. Well, I would just like to point out that one of the things that everyone loves to say, specifically in the analytics community, is that uh, Hollywood Brown is really good at football. We know this because he's had back-to-back 25% target share seasons. Mark Andrews is really good at football. We know this because he's had back-to-back 25% target share seasons. And now we're asking Rashad Bateman, rookie, injured rookie, to come into the NFL and put up more than 15%. That seems a bit unrealistic. So the number one complaint about Rashad Bateman is that he didn't produce enough. Fair. He only got 15% targets. Why? Because he was playing with two bona fide studs. It's hard to be the third wheel in an offense with two bona fide studs. However, I will give you a couple of examples. Rashad, Rashad Bateman, as you know, is bulletproof. There have been... Let me just count here. One, two, three, four players, bulletproof players, to come into the NFL with plus or minus two percentage points target share from Rashad Bateman's 15.84% target share. Of those four players, we have a list that nobody would be interested in, including the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyler Boyd. Those are still pretty good players. If we're going to discount Rashad Bateman because his target share is low, we have to consider the context of why his target share was low, which, in my opinion, is probably because the other guys are also pretty good, and he's a rookie. Then we have to consider, does this preclude him from being good? And it simply does not, because the other players on his list were still good. Every single player on that list, the 15-ish percent target share, still hit a top 24 season. Half of them, two out of four, were perennial top five players. The ceiling is not gone from Rashad, profi- Rashad Bateman's profile. Now, all that being said, the reason that I am not as into, I'm still very, very into Elijah Moore, just so everyone is clear. Elijah Moore is a really good prospect. He was a really good rookie. My, my hesitation, and this is why I talked about Lamar Jackson earlier, is that I don't know with definitive certainty that Zach Wilson is going to be a perennial MVP. He's probably, possibly going to be really good. But Lamar Jackson should be a perennial MVP. And if he's a perennial MVP, that means the Ravens are going to score a lot of touchdowns, which means Rashad Bateman is going to be in position to score a lot of touchdowns. I don't know what's going to happen with Zach Wilson. He might flame out this year. He might be Patrick Mahomes. We have the widest range of outcomes for uh, Elijah Moore or for Elijah Moore's situation. And if Zach Wilson is anything at all like he was as a rookie, things are going to get pretty dicey. And furthermore, we really only have one season of quality play from Zach Wilson, even in college. Only his third year was any good. His freshman and sophomore years, he was either not playing or terrible. Hmm, I wonder so, who made that point before in the, in the Discord. I want order in my courtroom. Jacob, you will wait your turn. So I want order my what I'm looking at is Rashad Bateman has a high ceiling because I know his offense is going to score touchdowns. I do not know that Elijah Moore is going to be in an offense that scores any touchdowns. Last year, they were one of the lowest scoring teams in the entire world. So just give me the guy that I think is going to play a meaningful role in a good offense that I'm not even sure that Bateman or Elijah are necessarily definite, definitively better than each other, one over the other, I mean. I think right now I lean Elijah Moore a little bit more as a better player because he had a little bit better rookie year. His PFF grade was higher, uh, but their reception perception metrics were almost identical. So I don't feel like I have a strong take of who's better than who, so I just want the guy in the high-scoring offense. That's really what it comes down to. I rest my case. Okay, strong and solid. I like the uh, the love for Lamar Jackson there, just as a note. All right, that'll that might play in sentencing, uh, Jacob. Okay, I'm going to give you the choice between two things. Number one, you can have a pizza. Number two, 
you can have something that involves bread that has been cooked at 450 degrees, melted cheese, meat, and tomato sauce, and a couple of veggies. You might think that that second thing is also a pizza, and it probably is, and it sounds really, really good. But you're not 100% sure exactly what that second thing describes. What you do know is that the first thing is a pizza. And so the choice between what is for sure a pizza and something that I hope is a pizza and sounds like a pizza and might probably be a pizza if you make enough excuses about Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, I would rather just have the pizza personally. And if you're going to get a pizza, you especially want a New York slice. And that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about Elijah Moore. Now, what Drew's entirety of his argument is based on, because it's the only thing he can base his argument on, a situation. And I've done the silly thing of talking about talent. But now I want to address the situational concerns. Last year, again, I was a person shouting from the rooftops that the market was underestimating how much Baltimore would pass the football. I could not possibly have foreseen that they would pass it over 600 times. Do you know who else couldn't foresee that they would pass it over 600 times? The Baltimore Ravens, because they didn't want to. They had the 21st pass rate over expectation. They played some weird overtime games. They ran by far the most plays of any NFL team. And then they threw the ball at a higher rate when Lamar Jackson was out than when he was playing. If you look at their rate when Lamar Jackson was playing and you just assume that they're not going to run like a hundred more plays than the average NFL team this year, they're probably going to be in the low twenties in pass rate, like somewhere between 20th to 25th in pass rate this year, even if they want to keep the exact same pass rate that they had last year when their secondary was total ass. And when they didn't have any running backs and they were starting Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman and a bunch of other people who have multiple capital letters in their first name. Um, <laughs> with with the Jets, you're right, it is a mystery box. But that mystery box includes a team that potentially has a quarterback who is not only good at passing, and I think Lamar Jackson is good at passing, but does it with a high level of proclivity. We're talking about proficiency and proclivity in order to unlock a truly elite ceiling for a wide receiver. And I want to be able to translate that target share into target volume because we know the wide receiver is a flat position. We just talked about wide receiver 11 to 40 being separated by 120, 23 second. We want immense ceiling outcomes. And to me, the ceiling outcome is with a team who has to be a higher pass rate team because their quarterback isn't the best rushing quarterback on the face of the planet. That to me is Elijah Moore if we're playing for the ceiling outcome. And if we're playing for the floor outcome or the who's good outcome, just give me that New York slice of Elijah Moore pizza. I rest my case. Interesting. Interesting that you didn't take the opportunity to reference that Joe Flacco was the GOAT. You had your chance and you didn't. I just want that noted. We're going to take a quick second. We're going to come back. We're going to bring the jury in. He's going to hand me his decision and we're going to get into sentencing. But since Drew doesn't actually play uh, fantasy football and or watch football, sentencing's going to get a little weird, but I'm going to figure that out as we go. Wasn't expecting that. Sit tight. We're going to be back in a second. Uh, Court will be back in session. Okay, it's got to swap this right here. Uh, jury, have you reached a verdict? You're on mute. I need yes, you to not do we that. have reached a verdict. The, ju- the jury's being censored. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, My the court. jury's being attacked. All yes, right, we have reached the verdict. Yeah, I just, need you, to I just need you to, to hand that yeah. to you. All right, thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, what is it? Hey. In the case of Elijah Moore versus Rashad Bateman, this jury rules in the side of Elijah Moore. 
I'll hey. I'm calling. I, I really so one thing I don't like to do is give Jacob a win. The, one of my least favorite things to do. Just Drew, oh. I wanted you to go for the neck on Elijah Moore. <laughs> you did the same True. thing we were talking about with Jacob and Jalen Hurts. Just the entire. Yeah, I think he's actually pretty good. <laughs> Well, he is actually yeah. pretty good. Look, I agree. look. I'll I say. Agree. I'll say this. I'll say this before I hand down the sentencing. Uh, all you had to do is reference the fact that it's not Mike White and Joe Flacco playing quarterback for the New York Jets this year. It's actually Zach Wilson. And if you look at those splits, they're not very good. Uh, so I am going to take the MVP uh, quarterback of Lamar Jackson because the Ravens are fucking dope. Uh, Jeez, how can I even create a sense for this? See, I lost, and Jacob got to pick a team name for any dynasty league that he wanted to. Uh, sentencing for this one's a little tough. Uh, Jacob, I'm, I'm going to let you guys uh, sort this one out. Maybe we'll take it to the Bulletproof Discord. Who knows? Um, but we're going to stay tuned for that. The judge is biased as fuck. All right, easy there, Dave. Look, we're at an hour and 20. Elijah Moore is the winner in this case. I can't believe it. This is absolutely... This is two 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 episodes in a row where people VRTDP have gone completely off the rails. Look, you did everything you could, Drew, and if it were me doing the verdict, I guarantee you would have had the win because you complimented me the most, and I appreciate that. Also, shout out for Drew for complimenting a Toronto Argonauts hat. We got that on record as well. Um, look, well, we're I imagine more... when you're a Riders fan, you have to start admiring other teams. You know, when you're not rooting for the two-time defending Grey Cup champions. You know, I nearly wore my Rough Rider jersey on the show. I was oh, about to. Weird, I, I forgot. I thought about it earlier. I was like, "Oh, that'd be perfect." And I forgot. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Okay, look, Great phenomenal show, absolutely fantastic. It's late. Uh, we got through it. We got through episode one thirty-seven. It is uh, eleven thirty uh, over here in the Manitoba in the middle of nowhere. So I want to go around the horn. Hey, great time! I love hanging out with you, Drew. Uh, it's the second time. It's absolutely phenomenal. Great time. Love that the bulletproof horde, uh, the, the hive mind pops into the chat. Love and appreciate everyone here. I just want to grab everyone's final thoughts before we get out of here. And I'm going to start with our guest of honor today. And that would be you, Sir Drew. What am I supposed to say for my final thoughts? Whatever, Whatever you, you have on our final thoughts. It's, it's, it's the floor is yours. Um, you never been on like around well, the horn. You know, you get the final thoughts. You can say whatever you want. No, uh, I don't do a lot of podcasting. No. So, um, I guess my final thoughts are: I had to look up my fun fact before we started because I found out about that moments before we started. It was merely a Google search, and there was remarkably hilarious, awesome final thought or uh, final thoughts, fun facts. I will leave you with one more fun fact: is that hot water actually freezes faster than cold water, and because science. So, knew that one. My final thought. Love that, man. Billy? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BigBillyFF. I don't really got anything to plug right now. I, I'm boring. I've been on vacation for the last like week and a half. I'm very sunburned, and I once again want to thank everyone for a very fun show. And sorry I didn't rule in favor of Rashad Bateman. You're going to regret that one, Jacob. You're fantastic, Failure. Jerry Foreman. You're, you're my second favorite Foreman to Deontay Foreman. Um. Jacob, I don't uh, like being in your good graces. <laughs> you know, keep your friends close. Keep your keep your juries closer. Um, 
Wow. No, my final thoughts are that my sentence will be delivered to Drew on Saturday night when I will get to pick the first drink that he has to drink. Um, there we go. Oh, good know. luck, Drew. That is not a good place to be in with Jacob. <laughs> um, so I, I look forward to that very much. Um, otherwise, looking forward to the Scott Fishbowl Vancouver draft with Drew, with True North uh, Zone uh, Trav, with a bunch of folks from the greater Vancouver area. We'll be having a fun time um, live at the American at noon Pacific time um, for the Scott Fishbowl. Otherwise, you can find me um, in the Bullproof Discord. If anyone's like, I don't know how many people are in Scott Fish that are in the Discord, but anyone that like wants to talk about that, by all means. Otherwise, I'm constantly in the best ball streets. They just launched the Puppy 2, which seems like it's going to fill in about a week. It's pretty insane. They're going to fill a 100,000-person tournament in a week. Uh, but that's what's happening. So I'm probably going to draft like three more of those as soon as they get off the show. Uh, and then you'll find me next time I'll be on a mic. It'll be Monday with Pat Perrine. We'll be talking best ball strategy for probably about 30, 45 minutes. And then we're going to hop in a draft, best ball mania 2 draft or best one, three drafts, sorry. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. He's, he's one of my favorite uh, folks in the industry for seasonal fantasy and uh, looking forward to that. Um, and I'll see you guys here next week. Yeah. 100%. And look, my final thoughts are generally always the same, but I want, again, want to shout out Drew. I want to shout out the Bulletproof Discord. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, tool for your fantasy football advice, even though Drew doesn't play. Uh, that don't matter. The, the information is dope. Uh, but look, we have Anthony Carenti joining the team as a YouTube content contributor. Shout out to Anthony. He's finally joining the Familia. We love that. And you can obviously, like I said, you can go find, you know where we are. YouTube, the Bird app there at Dynasty Tilt, Spotify, Discord, iTunes, everywhere. You know it. Look, the internet is a crazy place on most days, and especially lately, it has been extra insane. However, the beauty of the Scott Fishbowl and everything that it brings cannot be understated. I want to shout out everyone that contributed to Scott Fishbowl Potathon. The amount, I believe they raised over $45,000 for Toys for Tots. Absolutely insane. They were kind enough to have us on. We, we really enjoyed following Mike Wright for some reason. So shout out for that and sorry for the dip in viewership. Uh, but everyone that showed up and showed out for Toys for Tots and the Scott Fishbowl Potathon. Absolutely phenomenal. Enjoy your Scott Fishbowl drafts. Remember that there are other people on the side of your screen. Remember to check in on your loved ones, especially if you don't think they actually need it. You never quite know. Remember that clear eyes, full hearts can never lose your best days. God damn, they're always spent tilting. We're out, everyone. Good night. Take care, everybody.